Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back with uh, State Treasurer Dale Falwell. We've talked about a number of matters so far, and uh, we, uh, again, are going to save the uh, discussion of the state health plan, which is a very important part of the duties of the state treasurer's office to the next segment, the last segment of the program. But right now, let's talk a little bit about interest rates and how important North Carolina's bond rating is. North Carolina has always enjoyed a great bond uh, rating because we have always been able to satisfy those who are issuing the bonds that they're safe and secure, and that saves millions of dollars and allows us to spend more of the proceeds of the borrowings that we make uh, on the projects. So where do we stand on the the bond rating and and, uh, what are the prospects for uh, additional borrowings? I'm very pleased to report, Don, to your listeners that uh, the bond rating is still affirmed by all three rating agencies. It's a triple, triple, triple A. Uh, We're one of only 14 states that has the triple A bond rating. And with all the discourse that's happening in our country right now, I think there's at least one thing that every single person agrees on. And that is that if the decision is made to borrow money for public schools, public safety, public works, or public roads, that being able to do that at the lowest possible interest rates means you get more of whatever it is you're purchasing. And that's what a AAA bond rating gives you. It's the equivalent to your, for your listeners of, as a credit score for them or for your restaurateurs as a sanitation rate. It's a sign of quality. And being able to borrow money at, at low interest rates is a blessing if what you're borrowing at all is, is for the right reasons. Uh, between Thanksgiving, Halloween and the end of the year uh, in 2020, uh, we either issued or refunded over $1.7 billion, billion worth of debt through the treasurer's office in North Carolina. <clears throat> and uh, some of the general obligation debt, which I'm more in favor of, and the reason is, is that it's voter approved debt. I simply believe that if you're going to put something on someone's credit card, you should get their permission to do so. So voter approved debt, uh, the GO bonds that we issued uh, last fall went out at 1.41%. 1.41% was the interest rate that we ended up paying. And by working with the new secretary of uh, the Department of Transportation, after two years of uh, them being broken, broken, uh, we were able to issue some transportation bonds at uh, 1.58%, I believe it was. So my point of going through all of that is that uh, having a AAA bond rating is very important. And it ticks and ties back into some of the other topics we've talked about in the other segments. and which are very simply that when the rating agencies look at our quality and look at our, our, our and assign us a, a, a bond rating, they're looking at how well we budget. Do we have surpluses? Are we living within our means? Are we funding our pension plan? Uh, what's our unfunded pension and healthcare liabilities? So these are all the things that so-called get baked into a bond rating. Uh, that results in us being able to borrow money at very low interest rates. Who buys the bonds? Who who, uh, do you turn to when you sell these bonds? Who primarily ends up buying them and owning them? Uh, Institutions, uh, folks like yourself and other listeners like you who 
Are you saying I should be institutionalized? Uh, I think people have talked about that for a very long period of time. And, uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I think you're, I think you're as sharp as you've ever been. So, oh, okay. But, uh, but anyway, my, my point of my attempt to answer your question is that uh, uh, individual investors, uh, they are typically sold in $5,000 increments. And uh, individual investors who are in a tax bracket such that they want to earn uh, money on a tax-free basis because when you buy, for example, a NORCON general obligation bond, there, there's no federal tax on the income, there's no state tax on the income, and there used to be something that you're very familiar with called the intangibles tax. Uh, and back in the day, there was there would be no intangibles tax either on the on the bond income. So. It's for those types of individuals, but we have a lot of banks who offset their asset liabilities of their of their bank portfolios uh, with tax-free bonds. So, all of the above. Well, uh, of course, as uh, you said, that the interest rate is low, but the yield to the the uh, uh, considering the tax consequences, the yield to the buyer of the bond is higher than the one point four because of the tax consequences, as you pointed out. Uh, so. Uh, do we have borrowing power right now in North Carolina? Are we in shape that, that if, if we uh, were to elect to take this opportunity now with the economy needing a little bit of a boost, perhaps, uh, to uh, do some public works projects, uh, infrastructure, and so forth? Is this a good time to do that? It's a good time to analyze all the uh, needs that we have across the state. And, and for your listeners, uh, this, these are not needs sometimes that they can actually see. Uh, we have as much need under the ground as we do on top of the ground. <laughs> so it's not always, you know, public safety buildings or school buildings or community colleges or, or university buildings. It's, uh, we got a lot of infrastructure under the ground that is, that has needs. I, one of the 21 major responsibilities and duties as the state treasurer and keeper of the public purse is that I chair the debt affordability commission <clears throat> and the, uh, the debt affordability commission. And I, think you would join me in wishing the federal government had a debt affordability commission. <laughs> uh, but uh, the debt affordability commission is something we do every year. We submit a report to the general assembly and the government that talks about our credit limit, so to speak, our credit card limit. And uh, we do have borrowing capacity on the, on the general fund. Uh, I hope that anything the general assembly passes and the governor approves uh, will be put to the voters. I just think that if you're going to, Put something on someone's credit card you should ask their permission and the voters when they're given the right information pretty much overwhelmingly support these types of, of bonds uh, so that's on the general government side uh, the dot uh, because of their broken brokenness over the last three years uh, and overspending their budget by billions of dollars and eviscerating the highway trust fund by another billion dollars uh, the the Department of Transportation's credit limit, their credit card is pretty much maxed out. So uh, we're working uh, with OSPM, the fiscal research staff at the legislature, uh, in order to get our debt affordability study done. Now that report's typically due uh, two weeks ago. We're not in the business of being two weeks late on something this as, this, as important as this. But it's really important for your listeners to know this wasn't a dog eat your homework situation. Uh, the last consensus forecast 
for the tax revenues into the state of North Carolina were done in May. And as we now know, those tax forecasts were much too pessimistic. And I didn't feel it was prudent to put a debt affordability study out there that was using numbers that I thought were, uh, now we now know in rearview mirror, were artificially suppressed. So the reason my homework's not turned in for the Debt Affordability Commission study is that we're still waiting on the consistent, consistent consensus numbers from the Office of State Management Budget as well as the legislature. Well, you say consensus, but we also have a census coming up. How uh, a report of just how many people live in North Carolina and where they live and so forth. How will that affect your office when the final census count comes out? It doesn't uh, directly affect our office. Uh, obviously, it would impact the uh, a lot of the federal reimbursements that North Carolina gets uh, from all kinds of different places, whether it's water, sewer, or highway construction, or or, uh, or broadband. Uh, so it was, uh, in, in, a, in a really uh, indirect way, it, it would affect us in, in a positive way. But, you know, when the, until the census comes out, the, uh, we, which they're required to do every 10 years, it's amazing it's been 10 years already. Uh, until that comes out, the General Assembly can't really do uh, redistricting, and, and that's when we will uh, determine uh, what has been predicted for a couple of years that North Carolina will, re will receive a 14th congressional district. What is the relationship between uh, your office and uh, the counties and cities when they issue bonds? Great question. We uh, Another one of the 21 major duties and responsibilities that I have is to keep the public purse and state treasurer is I chair the local government commission. The local government commission was formed after the bankruptcy of Asheville after the depression. I'm sure you remember that. And uh, that was treasurer humor, by the way. Uh, and uh, I knew him well. Okay. And uh, the, uh, so the local government commission, uh, if you remember back in the days, Jason was born when we used to ride mini bikes. They a lot of them had lawnmower engines on them, and there's a thing on the carburetor called a governor. And it's not the governor you talk about on your show a lot, that's a noun. This is a, a, a mechanism that keeps an engine from over revving. So, the governor, so to speak, on the cities and counties and uh, the state itself, actually, and airport authorities, um, universities, hospitals, for example is something called the Local Government Commission, which I chair. And uh, the Local Government Commission uh, oversees over 1,300 entities. That's 100 counties, 550 cities, and others that come in front of the Local Government Commission to get the thumbs up to issue debt on a tax-free basis. And we have a great partnership and working relationship with Paul Meyer of the League of Municipalities. He was just in my office this morning for an hour at 8 o'clock, and uh, as well as uh, uh, Kevin uh, over at the uh, uh, County Commissioner Association and also the UNC School of Government. So we, along with the Local Government Commission, try to try to work hand in hand to figure out what's right, get it right, and keep it right, not just on behalf of the state, but on behalf of these counties and cities that you just mentioned. Well, of course, as, as our citizens well know, uh, state government has to have a balanced budget, and that includes the debt service. Uh, and so it is important for all this stuff to be reconciled and brought together. 
Uh, I want to uh, turn very quickly. We've got about two minutes left in this segment to unclaimed cash. Uh, that's something that uh, you have. Uh, what, where does that fund stand right now? There's nearly $900 million at nccash.com. Uh, I was doing a radio show with the uh, former governor, Pat McCrory, this morning. He had six entries there. Uh at nccash.com. We just gave $160,000 to a person uh, last year that was a beneficiary of a life insurance policy and no one ever told her. Uh, we just gave $2,500 to the Carolina Panthers and then they gave that money to a domestic abuse shelter in Charlotte. The domestic abuse shelter had money at NC Cash and three of the five reporters who covered the story had money at NC Cash. So another valuable reason to listen to your show and that is to go to nccash.com don't just check your name. Uh, if you're married, check your maiden name, check your kid's name, check your parents' names, check your church's name, check your nonprofit's names, check your business's names. Uh, names. Uh, there's over 15 million entries at nccash.com, and your chances are much better than playing the lottery since there are only 10 million citizens. So this, for those who may not know, this is money that does not belong to individuals, but uh, that does belong to individuals. But the people that have the money don't uh, either lost an address or lost contact or so forth. And that uh, uh, web address, one more time. NCCash.com. And uh, as I said earlier, the 160000 was to a woman who was the beneficiary of a life insurance policy. I mean, and people say, well, how could that happen? Well, people don't normally broadcast who's going to be the beneficiary of the life insurance policy. That wouldn't be very smart. Well, uh, uh, so, a lot of parents the, bought uh, life insurance policies for their children when they were born, and the children may not even know they exist. Yeah. So it's the last paycheck, a rent deposit, a dividend check from Electric Co-op, for just some few of the examples. And, of course, we do have some uh, physical items because of the uh, lock boxes that get us cheated to the treasurer's office. Our guest is uh, North Carolina State Treasurer Dale Falwell. We'll be back with one final segment, and we're going to talk about the state health plan when we do that, right here on Carolina Newsmakers. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. <coughs> when I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. <coughs> They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. Psst, Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. Ugh, what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. The forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Plant puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. 
Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is the North Carolina State Treasurer, Dale Falwell, recently re-elected, now serving his second term after uh, uh, being first elected in 2016, and before that, of course, was a four-term member of the North Carolina House of Representatives, and also has served the state as Assistant Secretary of Commerce with the Employment Security Commission. Um, and we have talked about all sorts of things. We have purposely put off to last one of the major functions of the state treasurer's office, and that is uh, governing and uh, providing the state health plan for some, uh, what, uh, 700,000 state employees, retirees and their dependents. Is that about the number that is covered by this plan? Exactly right. Uh, nearly three-quarters of a million people uh, who taught, protected, or otherwise served, mainly at the state level and their dependents, and it makes the state health plan the largest purchaser, single purchaser of health care in North Carolina, as well as pharmaceuticals. Well, of course, uh, health plans are very important because the cost of medical care continues to increase. Uh, part of that is because, as you said earlier, people are living longer. That's one reason. But another reason is uh, we keep having new developments in medicine that uh, prolong life and give people better health. But with that, it comes, there comes a cost and somebody has to pay for it. So uh, that's the people who are buying these services and uh, uh, the people who are buying health services either pay for it out of their pocket or from their insurance plan. And uh, so uh, everyone is concerned. And of course, we've got uh, the complications brought about uh, Medicare and Medicaid and so forth. So just sort of give us an overview of where this plan stands and how does it work with Medicare and Medicaid and so forth? As I've said to your listeners in the past, uh, unlike everything else they do in their life, healthcare, even after they've consumed it, they don't know the quality and the price of it. You know, today for people like ourselves, Don, uh, it's Senior Citizen Day at, at Harris Teeter. So if we were going to shop, today would be the day to go so we get our Senior Citizen discount. And why does that matter in the context of healthcare? The reason it matters is that if you push the power down to individuals and you give them the tools to determine where the price and the value of things are, they collectively will help us reduce the cost of healthcare in North Carolina, which has been going up at two, three, and sometimes four times the cost of the amount of inflation. And this is a very serious issue, not only for the country, but for our state, our state health plan. But let's be very personal about this for a moment. This is a really big issue for those that teach, protect, and serve, especially the entry-level workers, uh, maybe the corrections officer or the, or, the, or the new teacher or the new trooper. Uh, being able to have accessible, high-quality, affordable health care is something that's very important. So when you have a family premium, for example, that takes a, a of 25% of their budget uh, just for a family premium is something that uh, where they have to end up making a decision between do I get health care, do I pay the mortgage, do I get energy, do I pay the health care, do I get food, do I get health care, do I live my life or do health care. And, you know, as the largest purchaser of health care in North Carolina, we're trying every day to do it better and more efficiently on behalf of those that teach, protect, and serve. Now, why is this so important? Number one is it's the right thing to do. Uh, it just seems like the fixed income and lower income people are really the ones that get hurt the most when it comes to runaway healthcare costs. 
But the second reason is that I inherited a 32 billion, that's B billion dollar unfunded healthcare liability as the state treasurer in North Carolina. I'm often asked at Rotary Clubs, for example, how could you sit here as the state treasurer and say that the pension plan is one of the best funded and now the health plan is one of the most insolvent in the United States, right behind Illinois? And the answer, answer is not emotional or political, which we never get on the show, it's mathematical. Unlike the pension plan, which had money going into it every 30 days by the participant, the employee, and the employer, and then that money was invested in the group, this obligation for people to be eligible for, for lifetime health care has been uh, brewing for over 40 years, and no money was ever put aside for that. That's why uh, I inherited a $32 billion unfunded health care liability. But we made some great strides last year. Uh, we announced our Medicare Advantage contract for our retirees over the age of 65. Uh, these are amazing numbers I'm getting ready to give you. No cost to the participant for the 73rd basic plan, $4 dependent cost, and no cost to the taxpayers in North Carolina. No cost to the participant, $4 cost per dependent per month, and no cost to the taxpayers. That one contract has the potential of saving nearly $1 billion over five years. And we're taking all of those savings and putting it toward this unfunded healthcare liability, which in the last segment, we talked about bond ratings. But the rating agencies really care about these unfunded liabilities. And I try to put this in terms that many in North Carolina are very familiar with. It's a military term called II. Uh, we've heard that all of our lives, but uh, some don't know exactly what it means. I-I actually means that I hear you, I understand and have processed what you've told me, and I'm doing something about it. And so as we try to whittle away at this unfunded liability, it's sort of an I-I to the rating agencies that we hear them, we understand it, and we're doing something about it. I, you know, we're undergoing right now a time in our life where billions of people are being vaccinated for the COVID-19 situation. Uh, who's paying the cost of the vaccines? Well, the, uh, the federal government's paying the cost and the federal government's getting that money by borrowing it, uh, number one. And number two, for example, the state health plan's calling, paying for the cost of, the, of administering the vaccine. And... The state health plan has incurred $72 million in, uh, for treatment and testing of COVID. And now we're expected to incur another $150 million this year that we've not been reimbursed for. So we're looking at nearly a quarter of a billion dollars uh, that the state health plan has expended on behalf of those that teach, protect, and serve. And uh, we're working as, uh, I mean, we're being, we're asking for this, to be, this money to be paid back to us. You know, this state has received almost $4 billion, B billion dollars of COVID care money. And we're getting on the verge of receiving billions more. <clears throat> and for the state health plan to not be reimbursed for actual testing, actual treatment, and actual administration of vaccines for those that teach, protect, and otherwise serve is uh, something is that I'm very frustrated about. And I hope that the the General Assembly and the governor will just give us what we spent. That's all. We're, we're not asking for one penny more. We're just asking to be reimbursed for the money that we spent for the testing, the treatment, and the administration of vaccines for COVID. 
Any other fallout from COVID-19 that we will be paying for for years later in our health insurance? Other mental than health. I think Pardon? mental health. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that I think that when you get people out of the routines, when you take the joy of achievement and the dream of upward mobility out of people's lives, I think that um, that we're going to have dramatic mental health issues going forward. And uh, as I'm reminded, and don't try to think about too much every day. I'm not sure uh, if you, but as I am on my motorcycle and riding out through the country, uh, out from Winston Salem, it just reminds me when I look off into a field once in a while and see something rusting. And when you rest, you rust. And um, <clears throat> there are a lot of people because of COVID, because of uh, being quarantined, because of <clears throat> not going out, not having interaction with people, not in their normal day of just moving. Motion creates emotion. And uh, I feel like there's going to be a big emotional uh, toll to, to COVID-19. Let's uh, change the subject a little bit because, of course, you were with the Employment Security Commission, headed that agency for a while. Unemployment claims are, of course, very high now because a lot of people, because of COVID-19 and the pandemic, have lost their jobs. Where does uh, where do we stand there? I haven't seen the latest numbers, but uh, another good piece of good news and something rating agencies take into account. Uh, as you may recall, eight years ago, I was. Uh, put in as the Assistant Secretary of Commerce in charge of unemployment. And when that happened, I inherited $2.7 billion, that's B billion dollar debt. Now, why does that matter to your listeners? Well, you're, the, the listeners on, who are business owners know exactly why it matters. When that debt was outstanding, they were, along with Curtis Media and all the other companies across North Carolina, were paying increased FUDA, federal, and SUDA state unemployment <coughs> surcharges on payroll. So let me get this straight for you. That means that we were increasing the cost of hiring people while we were hiring, asking you to hire people. <laughs> it's very perverse. So uh, we're very, I'm pleased to report that over 31 months, starting in 2013, uh, that $2.7 billion was paid off, which means all those surcharges went away. A billion dollar, which ultimately became a $4 billion surplus a year ago next week. <coughs> Uh, was formed, and that is what has given the unemployment agency the cushion uh, to pay out over two billions of dollars of unemployment claims for North Carolina. There are a lot of border states around us who have burned through their surpluses and are now back into the negative borrowing in their unemployment systems, and that's going to result in payroll taxes of their communities uh, possibly going up. Another competitive advantage uh, for businesses who are thinking about coming to or expanding in North Carolina and hiring more people? Well, certainly uh, the uh, the unemployment benefits mean so much to those who have lost their jobs, and a lot of people have because of COVID-19 and the prospects of many of them returning. Uh, it's going to be a slow recovery, and this is this is good. So basically you're saying our in North Carolina, we're in fairly good shape to uh, uh, fulfill our obligations. I wouldn't trade places with any other state treasurer as far as the unemployment trust fund, as far as the rainy day fund, as far as the uh, fundedness of the pension plan. There's so many parts about the North Carolina balance sheet that bring our citizens and especially our corporate citizens a high degree of confidence, but also certainty about what the tax and financial future looks like uh, going forward. 
We've got about 45 seconds for you to answer this question. What's at the absolute top of your list of things that you're looking at in the next 30 days? What uh, is uh, heading your agenda? The top of my list is continue to work with uh, rural North Carolina and some of these struggling cities, counties, and, and water and sewer districts. And, and we know that you know, the key to rural North Carolina uh, is to have uh, high-quality, accessible, affordable health care, good public schools, uh, good uh, clean water and affordable sewer rates, but also, more importantly, affordable electricity rates. Uh, very important to get those economies back up on their feet. Well, uh, you have left me with plenty of time to thank you very much and remind people to check that NC Cash uh, website to see if the state has any money that actually belongs to you. And also to remind listeners that uh, this program is available on carolinanewsmakers.com if you'd like to hear a repeat of the broadcast. Or if you're listening to the 30-minute version of the program, you can hear the other two segments that you missed. Uh, there are four segments total, and some of the stations, of course, carry uh, only two of the segments. CarolinaNewsmakers.com is the uh, web address, and uh, you can go there and, and hear the entire broadcast or share it with a friend. The program has been produced by Jason Cog, and he'll have another guest for us again next week right here on the same group of stations. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.